Think that I'm all by myself in this fight, but they do not know the infinite size of the God who is by my side. Hey, on the fire, but my Goliath standing in the shadow of the Almighty. I ain't just testifying. Man, I'm talking about a big God. Good morning, everybody. My name is Steve. I'm glad you're here. Would you stand up? We're going to be singing about the love of God, all that he does for us. He wants to do something for our lives that we can do on our own.
You guys can go ahead and have a seat. My name is Ben Webb. I'm a Connections pastor here, and uh, there's a lot of things going on around here, so we want to bring you up to date on a couple of them, let you know some things that are coming and things that you can sign up for, be a part of that we think are really cool and part of the life of this church, all right? And so the first one is this. This summer we have our uh, day camps that are taking place here. It is in June from uh, 19th to the 23rd. This is for 5 to 11-year-old kids. If you've got one of those kids, we would love for you to go online at capcity.info. Sign your kids up for this event. There's all sorts of fun things taking place throughout the day. The last day, they get to actually go off-site to Bluegrass Christian Camp, and they have zip lines, and I don't know what else. That I mean, like skydiving. I mean, I can't remember what all they have, but they have some really cool stuff that your kids are going to love. It's going to be really good. They will remember it, all right? So that's really good. Sign your kids up for that. It's going to be 
a lot of fun. We'd love for you to do that. Also, coming up next Saturday, we have our Help Build Hope event. Uh, I don't know if you were part of this last year, if you remember this, but it's just a really cool thing. Uh, we have a, a group that comes in. They bring all the supplies, and what we do is we, we actually frame out a house in about two hours, which is really pretty cool. Okay, So they bring in all the materials. We provide the labor, the, the volunteers, and we just build each wall individually and get it all set up to where uh, they can go. And now we do all, of, all this in our parking lot, and then you probably wonder why would someone want to live in our parking lot, and they don't. They don't want to live there, all right? So what we do is we take the, the walls to where they do want to live, and then we help them get a house started. So that's really cool. It's a really neat event. Some of you may think, I don't know how to frame a wall. That's really cool. You are still qualified to be there. It's not really complicated. It's very simple. If you know what a hammer is and you know that it hits a nail as opposed to a nail hits a hammer, if you know that much, then you are probably qualified to help out and put this together. So we would love for you to do that. If you can sign up, it's helpful for us because then we can anticipate how many people to feed. Again, this is next Saturday. There's a breakfast involved on the front end. It's a really, really cool event. It's for all people, for all ages, a really, really good thing. Okay, so I encourage you to be a part of that. Now, if you guys remember a few, uh, probably about a month, a little over a month ago, when we started this sermon series on Remastered, if you remember, Doc sat up here and he talked about the fact that this sermon series will sometimes feel like going to the dentist. You guys remember that? And remember how many cheers of joy there were when you heard that, right? Because we all love going to the dentist. Today is going to feel a lot like going to the dentist, all right? Uh, some of these are really, really challenging. But today we're going to be talking about self-control. And I love the fact that we have to be told to have self-control because that isn't the natural inclination, is it? It's not really the way that we live. We have to be told to live that way, to live differently, all right? And so I want you to already begin thinking through what is self-control and how do you live? Are you in control of yourself or is the self in control of you? Doc's going to talk more about that. It's going to be really good. Why don't you go ahead and stand? We're going to go back into worship.
pray together. Father, we're grateful to be here, and I pray that you will give us sharp minds and soft hearts. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. Okay, let's see how honest you guys are. It's hard for me to see with these lights in my eyes, but I get a sense. You need to be honest, I need to raise your hands, Okay. How many of you guys ever battle road rage? All right. We've got some hands in the air. How about, how about gluttony? All right. Raise your hands. How many of you guys lack some discipline when it comes to food? All right. How about social media? How many of you guys spend too much time on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Pinterest, whatever? See your hands. Some of you guys are just liars. How about video games? Any of you guys waste too much time on video games? I see kids immediately jump up in the air. Some of you guys need to as well. This one's a little different. How many of you guys are addicted to negativity? How many of you guys are willing to admit that you're just picking and biting all of the time? Anybody? Yes, there needs to be some hands up. Do not raise your hands on this one. How many of you guys are drawn inexorably to porn? Maybe even defend it. And you don't need to raise your hands on these either. How many of you guys perhaps are spendaholics? Your spending is out of control. How many of you guys are workaholics? Now, you might not admit it, but people who are close to you, they know best perhaps. Maybe it's pills, pain pills, sleeping pills. Maybe it's something like gambling. Well, let's see your hands this time. Be honest. How many of you guys struggle with some issue of self-control? Any kind of issue of self-control? If your hand was not up, you have one of three problems. You're in denial, you're lying like a dog, or you have a problem with pride. 
Because self-control is a battle for all of us, isn't it? I'm going to tell you guys, I'm going to be an absolute hypocrite this morning because I've got a bunch of self-control issues even though I've been a Jesus follower for a long time. But I've always tried to tell God's truth even when I struggle with it. I've told you before, I preach to myself and I let you listen in. It's a pandemic, guys. It's something we broken humans are exceptionally good at. We allow things to get out of control. We allow things that shouldn't control us. I did a little digging online last week. Here are the top 10 substance addictions that Americans struggle with in order. One, alcohol. Two, nicotine. Three, marijuana. Four, opioids like Vicodin, Percocet, some other codeine inhalants like gasoline or glue. Cocaine, heroin, stimulants like meth. Benzodiazepines, I don't know if I said that right, like Valium or Xanax. Barbiturates like Ambien. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you guys struggle with one of those? But for a lot of people, it's not substance abuse. There are behaviors that get out of control. We have behavioral addictions, sex, gambling, an incessant preoccupation with the social media, porn, video games, other behavioral issues like just spending that's out of control, buying what you can't afford, what you don't need, or workaholism, or overeating. Listen to that list. How many of you guys struggle with any of those kinds of issues of self-control? Theologians, pastors talk about what we sometimes call habitual sins, habit sins, besetting sins, sins that we seem to have a particular bent towards. Now, I may be cynical, probably am, but I believe every Jesus follower battles some kind of habitual sin, maybe several, for years, decades, maybe a lifetime. For some people, maybe it's one of the cardinal sins, something like pride or greed or anger or envy, lust, gluttony, or laziness. Maybe yours is one of those or two. Maybe it's some sin of the tongue, like lying or gossip. Or maybe it's some sin like unforgiveness, bitterness, or hyper-anxiety. Can you think of some habitual sin that you struggle with? Maybe for a long time? I read one guy who said that never before have we lived in a culture that has so many issues of self-control. I think he was dead wrong. I think it's always been a war for us messed up humans. Maybe the difference today is that so many of us refuse to call sin, sin. So many people out there, so many people in here want to justify their sin rather than try to conquer it. So we defend our sin rather than try to control it. And bottom line, guys, the more people push God away, the bigger problem that's going to be. Now, Ben and I have been preaching a series on what the Apostle Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, the Apostle Paul says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. He produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, this is not an exhaustive list of the fruit of the Spirit. We also talked about hope. We're going to be talking about humility because those are fruit of the Spirit too. But bottom line, these are the kind of things that the Holy Spirit is trying to build inside every single Jesus follower. In fact, we've said three things about these fruit of the Spirit. Number one, this is simply God's character. Fruit of the Spirit are simply God's character. This is God-honoring character. You were made in the image of God, and life works best when you reflect the image of God. If you're a Jesus follower, God's Spirit is inside of you trying to shape you into what you were meant to be in the image of God. Number two, all of the fruit of the Spirit is for every Christian. God doesn't give some of you guys self-control and withhold it from others. If you're a Jesus follower, God's Spirit is is inside you trying to develop self-control. And if you're not making progress with self-control, it's not on God. You're blocking Him somehow. And number three, 
Letting God give us the fruit of the Spirit, self-control, is going to be hard because we're going to have to let God kill some of the stuff inside of us that's getting in the way. We're going to have to give up our pursuit of self-control and start trying to do it God's way because that's the only way we're going to win this battle. Now, most of you guys know that our New Testament was not written in English. It was written in Greek about 2,000 years ago by guys who had actually seen Jesus risen from the dead. And back then, Greek was kind of the universal language in that part of the world. A plethora of centuries later, the guys who translated the Greek into English saw the word enkrateia and translated it with the English word self-control. It's not a bad translation, but it can be confusing. Because what does it mean in English? Does it mean myself needs to be in control? Or does it mean I need to figure out how to control myself? Do I want myself to have control? Or is myself out of control and it needs controlling? You see the difference? I'm going to be unpacking it a bit more, but, but here's the basic idea. Is self-control about letting myself control me? Or is it about mastering myself because myself is messed up? And there's a radical difference between the view of our culture and the view of us Jesus followers. Our culture says, the world says, our enemy says, be yourself. Be yourself. Yourself is fundamentally good. So be true to yourself. Be authentic to yourself. Be defined by what you feel. In fact, if you don't act on your feelings, you're not authentic. So you've got to follow your heart. If it feels right, it's right for you. So do it. Be yourself. And the Jesus follower answers, poppycock, right? Because the Jesus follower understands that our self is fundamentally messed up. Guys, you don't want to follow your heart. I know some of you guys think you do, but think about it. The prophet Jeremiah said, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Do you buy that? I do. And if your heart is deceitful and wicked, why in the world do you want to follow it? The Apostle Paul said, no one is righteous, not even one, which sounds awfully cynical, doesn't it? Unless, of course, you look at sin like God does. And I'm not the exception, and I don't think you're the exception. So Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny their self deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Not follow your heart, follow me, says Jesus. It's got to be directed, not followed, because it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt those you care about, and it's going to create this gap between you and God. So here's the bottom line, guys. You need to lean in and listen. Every single one of us has these powerful desires, these powerful passions, which if followed will lead us into a war with God. You buy that? Your desires are not all good. My passions are not all good. And if we follow our hearts instead of God, we will live a broken life in this world. We're going to hurt the people around us, and we're going to jeopardize our life with God. You see that? James was Jesus' human brother. Amazingly, he was still a Jesus follower. You've got to think about it. What would it take for you to convince your brother that you were the Son of God? Jesus rose from the dead. Pretty good, pretty good start. James put it like this. He says, temptation comes from our desires. Our desires don't always take us where we want to go. Temptation comes from our desires, and they entice us and drag us away. The Apostle Peter put it like this. He says, I urge you guys as foreigners and exiles, because that's what we are in this world. We're the foreigners. We're exiles. I urge you to abstain from sinful desires because they wage war against your soul. Because all of your desires are not good. All of your passions are not good. Guys, your heart will corrupt your soul. 
which is why it's imperative that we learn to control the heart, the self. That's the kind of self-control we're talking about. And I know that there are people out there who are going to tell you, you just got to follow your heart. You just need to let your hair down, need to let go a little, just be you. Remember, guys, self-control is part of the image of God. A human being without self-control is losing part of his humanity, less than human. A human being without self-control is little more than an animal. You are the most you. You are the most real. You're going to live the best life possible when the Spirit of God helps you to control the dark side of you. Do you understand that? I want to go back to that Greek word for a couple of minutes, enkrateia. Now, the end part means in or with. The kratos part means power or lordship. So enkrateia means with power, with strength, to be the master of yourself, not to allow yourself to master you. And the philosophers understood that. They loved this idea. They were on the right track. They knew that our passions, our desires are going to mess us up if they control us. And guys, you've seen what happens when people allow a passion or a desire to get out of control. So enkrateia is one of their cardinal virtues. Get control of yourself. Don't let your passions and your desires control you. They had the right idea. They had the wrong strategy. You know why? Because, guys, I'm not smart enough and I'm not good enough and I'm not strong enough to control me by myself. Which is why the Apostle Paul calls self-control one of the fruit of the Spirit because controlling the self is going to take his help. The Apostle Paul was one of the most disciplined Jesus followers ever, one of the most selfless Jesus followers ever. And even he could write these words. He said, I want to do what's right, but I can't. You ever felt that? I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, and I do it anyway. In other words, I don't have the power to control myself by myself. And so he says, who's going to free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He gives us an answer. Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. See, guys, myself is not capable of self-control without God's help. Yourself is not capable of self-control without God's help. The only shot we have at controlling our messed up selves is by leaning on someone who is infinitely stronger than we are. And that's God. And he's trying to help. So here's the key. Philosophers were right. Self-control is one of the cardinal virtues. It's, it's a key to being fully human. But I'm not good enough, smart enough, strong enough to control myself because it is powerful. It's a powerful mess. So the key is not for me to get control. The key to self-control is to allow God to be in control. I can't defeat my passions and my desires and my sins when they're pulling me away from God. He can key to enkrateia is not to discover some magical formula for me to control me. The key is for us to learn to lean on God, guys. And I've only been talking about one side of this pandemic of no self-control. I've only focused on what we call sins of commission, things that we do that eventually corrupt our life and our life with God. And we've all got those sins of commission. We've all got those habits and emotions and relationships that dishonor God. My preaching partner, Randy, will tell you that he struggles with gluttony and anger. Sins of commission. He eats too much. He has an explosive temper. And I've seen it. I can tell you that I do not struggle with gluttony anymore. I used to until last Sunday evening. You know why I don't struggle with it now? Because I gave myself a shot that takes away my appetite. I cheated because I have battled gluttony badly for so many years. I struggle with self-control when it comes to food. 
For some of you guys, it's substance abuse. For some of you, it's some compulsive behavior that dishonors our God. For all of us, there's some kind of a habitual sin for which we seem to have a peculiar weakness. But those are sins of commission, things we do. What about those things we don't do and should? Sins of omission. We all have those too, don't we? Self-control applies to them too. How about not having the guts to do the right thing so you do nothing? You let your fear control you. That's an issue of self-control. How about just not doing the things that are hard because they're just too hard? Letting your laziness control you. That's a sin of omission. That's a sin of self-control, isn't it? Have you ever failed to speak a word of encouragement or a word of love to someone that you should say that word to? It's a lack of self-control. Have you ever blown someone off and just played like you were listening to them when you should have been, but you weren't? That's an issue of self-control. Has someone ever needed your help and you had the ability to help, but you were too self-absorbed to help them? That's a self-control issue. Have you ever failed to celebrate the success of someone that you love because their success wasn't as important to you as your own? Have you ever failed to respond to a spouse sexually because you're more concerned about self than spouse? That's an issue of self-control. Those are sins of omission. They're matters of self-control, controlling the self. How about one of these? Have you ever failed to stand tall for Jesus when you know you should have because you were scared or embarrassed? That's a failure of self-control. Have you ever failed to share Jesus when God has opened a door because your self got in the way or you were too self-absorbed? Have you ever failed to step up and serve when God nudges you because yourself didn't want to? You were too busy to respond to a nudge from God, so you didn't do the thing you should have done. That's an issue of self-control. There are thousands of these guys, issues of self-control. Have you ever skipped church when you know you should have gone because yourself didn't want to? That's a problem of self-control, isn't it? Have you ever wasted time when you knew there were things you should be doing because yourself was just lazy? That's a self-control issue, isn't it? Have you ever pulled out your phone to video someone getting bullied when you should have stepped in to defend them because yourself was scared or because yourself's just messed up? Maybe online. Have you ever passively watched someone getting maligned online and you did nothing because you were scared perhaps of being maligned too? That's a self-control issue. And here's the problem, guys. When we lose battles with self-control, it robs us of our peace. It robs us of our joy. And it guts our witness for Jesus. When we lose battles with self-control, what we get instead is this guilt, this shame, I hope, and this absence of spiritual power. So guys, this is a really, really big deal. And there is no easy fix. Even though it's a fruit of the Spirit, which means self-control is something that God is trying to build inside of us, we're still going to have to cooperate. We have to be allies of God in this fight, and it's not easy. Denying the self, controlling the self. Your self can be really, really stubborn, really, really twisted. So how can we cooperate with God? How do we learn to lean on God in issues of self-control? Number one, admit, please, that you cannot do it alone. You can't do it alone. You are not going to win this war by yourself, guys. You're not going to be able to master yourself your spirit may be willing, Jesus said once, but your flesh is going to be weak. You can keep trying harder and harder and harder to fix yourself, but you're going to still find yourself broken, which is why number two is so important. 
you got to stop focusing on yourself and your own strength. You've got to start focusing on God and his strength. Self-control requires a different focus. It requires a different perspective. If you focus on you, if you focus on how you're going to try harder next time, on how you're going to do better next time, you're going to fail inevitably because you are not strong enough to defeat your sin. God is. You are not powerful enough to control your messed up self. God's spirit is if you let him. It's important that you keep fighting your sin, but it's even more important to keep focusing on God because when we keep our focus on him, we allow his spirit to keep tinkering inside. One of the best teachers out there, a guy named Richard Foster, put it like this. He said, our ordinary method of dealing with habitual sin is to launch a frontal attack. My willpower, my determination, I'm not going to do it again. Anger, fear, bitterness, gluttony, pride, lust, substance abuse, I'm not going to do it again. I pray against it, fight against it, set my will against it, and I lose. You might win some battles, but eventually you lose the war. I'll give you an example. A lot of guys, quite a few ladies, struggle with porn. If you have a God-honoring conscience, you felt the shame and you felt the guilt. You know the damage it can do. So you tell yourself, I'm not going to look at it again. I'm not going to give in next time. And the whole time you're battling your sin, you're actually focused on you and your battle with sin. You're focused on the sin itself. What if when you're tempted to sin, you actually try to redirect your focus on God? Eventually, Richard Foster says, you begin to realize you can't fix you, but he can the change that you're wanting is going to have to be his work, not ours. We need an inside job, and God does his work from the inside out. So instead of focusing primarily on your battle with sin, focus on God, getting closer to God, opening yourself to God, leaning on God. Don't quit fighting, but you're only going to win this war if you shift your focus to him. One more thing. This is huge. This self-control only comes when you love something more than you love yourself. Is there anything you love more than yourself? Self-control only comes when you want something more than you want your own pleasure, more than you want your own happiness, more than you want to stoke your own ego or anything else. Self-control can only happen when you love God more than you love yourself. Think about heroes, courageous heroes, selfless heroes. These are the kind of guys who step into harm's way because they're serving something bigger than themselves. These are the moms who courageously sacrifice for their kids. These are the dads who courageously sacrifice for their families. These are all those who control their self because there's something bigger than self in that moment. You get it? There's this connection between courage and self-control. It's one of the reasons a lot of people push back against Jesus. It's hard to love something bigger than oneself. It's hard to sacrifice your own hopes and dreams and securities and safety and passions and desires for someone that we love more. But that's what love is about. It's hard to do life with God, for God, God's way, when that clashes so often with our own desires and passions. But we Jesus followers live for something bigger than our passions and our desires. And self-control is only possible when you live for something bigger than yourself. And it's worth it. It is so worth it. See, guys, because you lean on God... And because you live for something infinitely bigger than self, you can actually begin to taste love and joy and peace, patience. You can actually do kindness and gentleness because it all wraps around and flows through this God-honoring self-control. See, these fruit of the Spirit hang together. 
You can't taste any of them completely without tasting the others as well. Only when there's this God-honoring self-control will you experience real love and joy and peace and all the rest. And that's a life well-lived. That's what it means to be more than an animal. That's what it means to be fully human. That's what it means to be in the image of God. And guys, it blows away any other kind of life. You buy that? Do you love God more than you love yourself? Should you? You know, that's a choice. That isn't just an emotion. That's a choice that we make. Have you chosen to make Jesus Christ the king of your life? That's where it starts. If you're going to win this battle, that's where it starts. In the next few minutes, we're going to go to a time of the Lord's Supper. If you want to talk about making Jesus Christ the king of your life, I'm going to sit right down here. Come on up and let's talk. Or if you want, go to the back of the room there. There's a prayer room back there, and there's an elder in it who's praying for you right now. Slip back there and talk to him. If you want to talk about making Capital City your church family, we'd love to talk to you about that as well. But this is a time not only to come to the table, but to get right with God, right? And then in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to these tables. <laughs> the reason that we love him more than we love ourselves is because of what he's done for us, right? He showed us how much he loved us. He showed us how much he was willing to sacrifice for us. Every week we gather around this table and we eat a little piece of bread which represents the body of Christ broken for us. We drink a little bit of, cu uh, little bit of juice which represents the blood of Christ which was shed for us to forgive us, to bring us back to God. And we give Him thanks. This is a table of thanks, a table of gratitude. And part of our gratitude is expressed by on that table, if Capital City is your church home, that's where we give our first part. That black box is where we give our first part back to God, our offering. And if you have a dollar or two and you want to drop it in that white bucket, that generous bucket, every dollar that goes in there just goes to love on people who are hurting in the church or outside in our community. Let's pray together, please. Father, for your grace, we give you thanks. For the gifts that you lavish upon us, we give you thanks. Challenges is for us to bend our knees to receive these gifts. Give us the wisdom and the courage to do just that. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. You guys are welcome.
say madman, some say king. Wonder-working rebel priest. Jesus Christ the Nazarene. You will what it would take. Free us all from sin and grief. Perfect man would have to die. clapping for me? That's so cool. <laughs> i got something I need to read to you guys. This is from Ben Jeffries. To my Cap City family, 
In August 2019, I embarked on a journey of the position of student minister here at Capital City Christian Church. Throughout that time, we have faced many adventures, which included COVID. I've had the privilege to watch students grow in their relationship with Christ and become outstanding young adults. It is 2023, and the Lord is preparing new adventures. This morning, I met with church leadership, let them know I'll be resigning my position as student minister here at Capital City. Though this transition will be emotional because I have much love for you all, I feel the Lord is directing Sarah Catherine and I on a new adventure. We ask that you keep us both in prayer as we continue to keep you all in prayer. Four years ago, I coined a phrase that was for our students, but I gladly share with you all, you belong here. We are Cap City fam, and family belongs here. We love you, and continually thinking of you, Ben and Sarah Catherine Jeffries. I want to tell you that Ben has been an absolute gentleman. Uh, he did not do this because of any nefarious behavior of any sort. He's moving in a different direction. He's showed us a great deal of respect, and we want to show him a great deal of respect. I encourage you to pray for him and give him a word of encouragement. We're going to have some holes that we're going to be filling, and we're going to need some help. We're going to need some help from some of you guys, and that's why Aaron's here. Tell us what we need. Hi, everyone. I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning, but Doc's exactly right. Um, we will definitely need some extra help with our youth services. So our students, that covers middle school through high school. They have service each Sunday evening that starts at 530, and there's a lot of ways that you can get involved, whether being a small group leader or helping kind of orchestrate games and be uh, a bit of a hype person, kind of help get everybody excited. We want to maybe offer some food opportunities, some different ways that we can feed them, you know, you've got to get those bellies fed. But also in our preschool programs and our uh, kids' own children's ministry, we could always use extra bodies and people that can love on our kids and help them grow in their relationship with God. And I want you to think really carefully. This is not necessarily every single Sunday, forever, um, but Think about what it is that you have in your schedule, what margin you have, that you can provide some service to our Cap City kids and students. We will we'll need special events volunteers for our outreach events like extravaganza, think summer programs like camps. We also need our regular weekly folks, but then there's different special projects. So think about your gifts and talents and just feel, I ask you to pray if you feel like God is nudging you. We would love to have you plugged in to our our different teams. So reach out to me or to Jess, and we will figure out a way to get you plugged in. Even if you're like, hey, I like to do this. Is, could that work? Yes, it could work. We will figure out a way to get you plugged in, and we greatly appreciate your help. Oh, also, I was supposed to tell you to get out. <laughs> <laughs> Have a wonderful day. Thanks for being here. Trouble comes around.